0: Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness.
1: You gotta score points to win. You can't win without scoring points.
2: Touchdown Raiders! He went right through the line and gives
0: Vegas a touchdown to extend the lead. Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q.
3: Here we go. Raider Nation coming in hot on this Tuesday, coming in off the Memorial Day weekend. Hopefully everyone had a really good holiday weekend. Hopefully everyone reflected and had an opportunity to understand what the day was all about and here we are with you on this Tuesday coming off the heels of the JT the Brick Show of course following uh, the morning tailgate earlier today on Raider Nation Radio 920 and I mentioned we're coming in hot because we got a guest right out the gates we got some really good guests lined up on the show today and we got to make up for having a day off right we had a day off yesterday so we definitely got to jump right into it so coming up in a matter of minutes for the opening drive we'll have Mike Florio from Pro Football Talk also the author of the new book Father of Mine he's going to join the show to talk about Jimmy G Uh, Obviously, there was a a lot to do about Jimmy G over the Memorial Day weekend. There wasn't a whole lot of NFL news that rolled out. But Mike Florio, who has his background uh, as a lawyer, Uh, got his hands on the contract and it was a big discussion and some people believe it's a lot to do with nothing and it very well could be and myself and JT the Brick we did the we did the Raider roundtable earlier today and we discussed the Jimmy G situation and from what it sounds like from what it looks like there's a really good chance the Raiders feel great about the situation that Jimmy G's in and that he's going to be ready to go for training camp but there's also a situation where maybe he's not right so we'll talk to Mike Florio about what he discovered by looking at the contract and looking at the clauses in the contract and uh, all the just information that has to do. with Jimmy Garoppolo, so we can kind of put a bow on that. So that's coming up to kick off the opening drive in a matter of seconds. Then at 2.30, Todd Dewey from the Review Journal, he'll join us. We'll look at the the over-under as far as the wins total go for the Raiders in the 2023 season where they're at 7.5 right now, right? And that's not a whole lot. And a lot of people are taking the under. And they're not favored in very many games at all. And all the games they are favored in, and I'm not a guy who just spends a whole lot of time gambling. That's our good friend Danny on our uh, sister station, uh, ESPN Las Vegas. We like to call him our degenerate gambler. But there's a, lot of, there's a lot of games where they're only favored by like two and a half points, which is basically a pick em, and that's at home. So you're usually given three points at home. So there's a whole lot of games they're not favored in. So we'll talk to Todd Dewey at 2.30, John McClain, Sports Radio 610 in Houston at 3, and then Matt Smith, 104.3 The Fan, in Denver at 4 o'clock, talking all things Denver Nuggets. So that's the guest lineup that we have. Again, Mike Florio, Todd Dewey, John McClain, and Matt Smith. Let's go ahead and jump into the opening drive.
1: The opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM is brought to you by Paul Padalaw. Law. It's not about the injury, it's about the recovery.
3: So as promised, kicking off the opening drive for us here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920, is Mike Florio from Pro Football Talk, also the author of the new book, Father of Mine. And Mike, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. Hopefully you had a really good Memorial Day weekend. And I know that you made a lot of noise on Memorial Day weekend and really it wasn't noise that you created, but it was just noise that you put out there about the contract situation with one Jimmy Garoppolo as he's still recovering from his foot surgery, and there's a chance that he could be ready for training camp, but there's a chance that he couldn't be ready for training camp. So what is it that you know, for a matter of fact, as you looked at the contract that Jimmy G, as we stand right now?
4: Before we get to that, let me confirm something. Are you guys, like, right on the air now? Is this top of show? Is this right into it? Let's get right to it.
3: You're leading us off. You're you're pulling a Ricky Uh, Henderson today. You're our leadoff hitter right off the top uh, of the show.
4: Oh, well. Uh, I'll get thrown out at first on a walk. That's the next <laughs> you're all good. Uh, so so what happened was, last week, the story comes out that he had foot surgery. And, you know, when you're following all 32 teams, there's a constant churning that happens. There's a rhythm. There's a cycle. And you keep moving and you keep moving. And when I thought I'd throw it, It made, like, some neurons fire in my brain, but not enough. And then I saw some follow-up quotes from Josh McDaniels, head coach of the Raiders, obviously. And at some point, I went back and I looked at the stories, and I remembered there was something weird about his press conference. They sent everybody home the night they were going to do it, and Mm -hmm. then they did the whole nothing to see here, which really should be the NFL's motto, not football is family, but nothing to see here. Jimmy did it himself the next day when he was asked about it, downplayed everything, acted like it was no big deal. But he didn't have surgery after he injured the foot with the 49ers. Then he signs at the Raiders, and not long after that, has foot surgery. I thought maybe there'll be something in the contract that sheds some light on the concern, because I knew that when the Vikings signed Marcus Davenport this year, there's language in his deal that addresses a shoulder injury, that had surgery on, and it gives the team protections and exemptions and this isn't some new term but I thought maybe it would give us an idea and that's when I got the contract on Saturday I didn't time any of this I didn't plan any of this it all just happened organically I read the contract and it's like wow this addendum G that is a lengthy waiver and release of liability and it's got terms in there that when you read the whole contract together it makes it clear that the Raiders can pull the plug on this thing if he can't pass the physical later this year, as he recovers from this surgery that he had. And I think the thing that makes this far different from the standard usual injury waiver, they took away a signing bonus mm-hmm. and they moved that $11.25 million into base salary in 2023 that he won't get until he can pass the physical. So, yeah, he comes to town after. They agree to a deal in that 52-hour window where it's go, 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 got to work out these deals, got to figure out who's going to sign where. They do a deal with Jimmy Garoppolo. I would say they assume that he's healthy. He shows up for the physical. They find out he's not, and they got to work this thing out, knowing that any fallback they would have had is already gone. Derek Stidham's gone. Mm -hmm. Other free agent quarterbacks have signed with other teams. So, I mean, it really put everybody in a bad spot here, and the Raiders now have to hope that this foot surgery works and he'll be good to go when training camp rolls around.
3: Yeah, and I was reading your latest piece, and it it talked about that legal tampering period. And really, I always think that that's a silly period anyway, but this is one where it seems like it really backfired at the Raiders because it left, like you mentioned, all their other backup plans were already gone.
4: Here's what happens when the clock strikes 12 Eastern on the Monday that has the new league year begin Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern. So it creates that 52-hour window where you can negotiate directly with agents for guys who are going to become free agents officially on Wednesday at 4 Eastern. Teams start calling. They have a list, a priority list, at each position. So we know what receiver we want to sign, for example. Mm-hmm. So we call the guy that's number one on our list. We call the agent. Here's our deal. Yes or no. Need to know, because if you're not going to do it, we got to move on to our number two guy. It all happens very quickly. And for Garoppolo, the deal was leaked by his agent and reported within two hours of the negotiating window opening. So there may have been some pre-discussion, which shouldn't surprise anyone that happens, <laughs> but they had his deal done, this $75 million or thereabout deal done with an $11.25 million signing bonus and guarantees beyond that. They have it done within two hours. And the Raiders, I can only assume, were told by Don Yee, his agent, the foot's fine because What happens then is, by the time you find out it's not fine, the music has stopped. The butts are in the seats. It's over. It's done. All they could have done at that point was make a run at Lamar Jackson or try to trade for Aaron Rodgers. And the optics would have been horrible because either guy would have looked like plan B to Jimmy Garoppolo, and neither guy would have wanted to do that. So it, it is one of those quirks. And it's buyer beware. If you are going to pursue in free agency a quarterback who was injured, to end the season before he becomes a free agent, there's a chance that no matter what his agent tells you, you're going to end up with a guy who can't pass a physical and then everybody's got a problem.
3: Again, Mike Florio is our guest from Pro Football Talk here on Raider Nation Radio 920 and say Roughness. Go ahead, DeMond. All
0: right, Mike. I am just like you. I am a Sasquatch. I am a conspiracy theorist just like you are. So I've got to ask, when it comes to the Raiders and the news of this coming out, do you think the team would have been better served of just letting all the fans know about this addendum G with the introductory press conference?
4: Well, usually when information gets leaked and reported, it happens because, one or both parties to the agreement or the transaction or whatever the overall facts that underlie the situation might be, one of them wants it out there because it makes, it, makes them look good in some way. The problem with this, it makes no one look good. It would have raised a bunch of questions, especially because of, it's Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, think about this. If, if they had walked out there on the day of the press conference and said, before Jimmy Garoppolo takes the podium, if Dave Ziggler, the GM or Josh McDaniels, the head coach, get up on the podium and say, Hey folks, you know, sorry, we brought you all out here yesterday. Um, we don't mean to waste your time, but the problem is Jimmy showed up and you know, he got that foot injury and uh, he failed the physical. So we had to go back and do some major overhaul of the contract. You know, for example, we're not giving him a signing bonus at all. He's going to have surgery on this foot. <laughs> and we're going to spend the offseason crossing our fingers and hoping that he's going to be good to go. I mean, that's not anything that they would want to announce to the world. It's not anything Garoppolo would want to announce to the world because it sparks all the questions we're getting now. Why did you do this? Why did he become your focal point when you could have gone after one of these other guys? Oh, I thought they'd make a beeline for Baker Mayfield. Josh McDaniels had a late workout with him right before the 2018 draft that Mayfield didn't want to do because the Patriots weren't going to be in position to draft him. And McDaniels was right there, best seat in the house, standing on the sideline, watching Mayfield work his magic last year on that Thursday night game between the Rams and the Ravens. Well, they could have gone after him. They could have gone after Sam Donald. They could have gone after Andy Dalton. They could have tried to trade for somebody else, but they put all the eggs in the Garoppolo basket, and by the time they realized there was a hole in the bottom of it, it was too late to go get more eggs. So that's why, plain and simple. And that's why we see it all the time. The line doesn't happen because People are just like sociopaths and, and, you know, they're like the old character that John Lovitz played on Saturday Night Live and they just can't help but not tell the truth. There's a strategy behind it. And it's a PR driven mechanism of we have to hide embarrassing things because we don't want to deal with the questions that would come next after we admit to the world that we did something that ended up embarrassing.
3: Again, Mike Florio is our guest here from Pro Football Talk on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. Now, Mike, they didn't address uh, a rookie quarterback until the fourth round when they went and got Aiden O'Connell. Does that give you a little bit of a sign, or should that give Raider Nation a little bit of a sign that they feel confident Jimmy G will be ready for, I say, training camp?
4: Well, it's a month removed from the surgery, so I assume they would have an idea that how the surgery went and whether the rehab is progressing the right way, but... Then there's just the simple reality of the Raiders possibly not feeling comfortable at any of the prior rounds, any of their prior picks making the call for a quarterback. That's the thing about the draft. You got all shapes and sizes of players thrown in the same bucket and you've got to pick one at one position and you got to have your priorities right. And maybe by the time they were on the clock at number seven, the three guys they would have considered were all gone and they didn't believe in Will Levis, So they pass. And then when they pick again, they pass, and they pass, and they pass until the last pick of round four, and they take o- Aiden O'Connell, and hey, maybe they know something about him the rest of his zone, and maybe they're going to get it right, and maybe they're going to develop this guy into a starter, but the reality is, you know, there's a chance that, however, it's greater than 0%. I don't know what the number is, but it's a greater than 0% chance he's going to be playing sooner rather than later because of this Jimmy G situation, and, and the other reality, too, is and I think it's another reason why The Raiders kept it quiet. Of all the quarterbacks in the NFL, like, if we just heard about this generically and we were told, guess which quarterback it is, it would have been we would all guess Jimmy G. Right. He's the only quarterback. Jimmy G or Tua, I guess. Those would have been the two possible Mm -hmm. candidates, but I still think the first name that anyone would have said when we're talking about quarterback injury that potentially derails the start of the season, we would have said Jimmy Garoppolo.
3: Now, you do the show Pro Football Talk Live with Chris Sims. Has he talked about Aiden O'Connell as at all? Has he kind of analyzed him as a rookie quarterback?
4: Well, not on our show. He wasn't one of the top five that Sims presented when we do the position-by-position position rankings. And I don't recall that he was alarmed by it. I can't recall whether we got into it in the aftermath of the draft because so much was going on. But... It's just this general vibe that, hey, Josh McDaniels knows quarterbacks and there must be something about O'Connell that he likes and let's see what he can do. But, you know, one name I didn't mention, and I wonder, I just wonder, if they would have known what was going on with Jimmy G, if they had known the truth, would they have kept Jaron Stidham, another guy that Josh mm-hmm. McDaniels had a history with in New England and uh, that, that, you know, acquitted himself well when, when he played during those – those final couple of games of the year when they were trying to keep Derek Carr from getting injured so they couldn't cut him and avoid $40 in guaranteed pay. I, I just wonder, in an alternate universe, does Stidham get the shot if they know that they're rolling the dice on Garoppolo having the surgery and having it pan out?
0: Something that I've wanted to talk to you about for a while now because it was so underreported last year, Tom Brady and the Dolphins. The Dolphins didn't lose that first-round pick by coincidence. And when it comes to Brady, the deal that they had in place for him to be ownership and QB, I don't think that he wants to play for the Raiders, but is there something more there where it comes to him getting that piece of NFL ownership, but with the implications of everything that happened last year with the Dolphins?
4: Well, one of the realizations I've had since, we've started to see more and more about how the rules work for somebody who is an owner. And the thing that I did not know, but I've seen multiple different reporters report, is that if he's an owner, it requires a unanimous vote of all teams, of all owners, to allow him to become a player. And my first thought was, well, that's kind of dumb. He's good for business. Put him out there. But from a competitive standpoint, I had someone explain it to me over the weekend, the idea is, and there's a rule as it relates to coaches and other staff members, that you can't take a guy who's already kind of in the bubble and put him on your roster. The Broncos tried to do it when they were dealing with the COVID situation a couple of years ago when all their quarterbacks were ruled out and they had to play receiver Kendall Hinton. They wanted to put two of their assistant coaches on the roster, two guys who had played college football. They wanted to use them for that game, and the league said no, because the problem is this. If Tom Brady is minority owner of the team, he's got access to practices meetings he can be around he can understand everything it's like having a guy who's not on the team but he is on the team and then when you put him on the team he's got an unfair advantage so bottom line once this deal gets approved and he's an owner of the Raiders there's no way I believe he's going to be playing and it makes me even more amazed by what and I'm trying to think of a word that won't get anybody fined or me in trouble. But it, it really makes you wonder what a cluster it was in Miami last year. For them to think that this was going to be simple oh, we're going to announce Super Bowl week. He's a part owner of the team. And oh, we're going to hire Sean Payton when we do a trade with the Saints. And oh, at some point during the offseason program, we're going to do this magic trick where Tom Brady becomes our quarterback. It wouldn't have happened. It would not have happened because the same thing that would apply now would have applied then you need unanimous consent of all owners for a guy who's an owner to become a player and i believe now at least one team will say no and there's no reason to think back then one team wouldn't have said no so it just shows how harebrained the whole scheme in miami was (laughs) to try to get tom brady in the building and then put him on the field
0: I do want to ask you about John Gruden as well. Late last week, we saw the report that he was helping the install with the Saints offense. Do you think that John Gruden is going to be getting closer to coming back in the NFL in any official capacity? I can't
4: imagine John Gruden ever coaching in the NFL in any capacity. And I'm stunned that the Saints did it because the Saints are still persona non grata at 345 Park Avenue. And Gruden sued the league and sued the commissioner, and that lawsuit is still pending in Gruden has them on the ropes over how it was all leaked that he, that he sent those emails. And I know that he deserved consequences for the emails he sent, but there is an argument there to be made. If you set that aside, the idea that someone weaponized emails that were supposedly private and used them to bring him down, and he's arguing that it was the commissioner, I think anybody that does business, but John Gruden is taking a little bit of a risk there, and I'm surprised the Saints had him in, and my guess is they calculated it. And you know, it's funny, when, when I think back to last week, and it's good to talk these things through when you're a conspiracy theorist because you can come up with some good conspiracies. I don't know. Did, did, did the Saints, before they went from no to yes on Thursday night flexing, did they get the blessing of the league mm. to have John Gruden come in and help with Dennis Allen before they did that? to help get Derek Carr ready, and the league won't be upset about that if we're going from no to yes on Thursday night flexing. I mean, that's exactly how the sausage gets made in any organization. But the bottom line is, for the Saints to bring him in, they better be sure the league's okay with it because of the fact that he's got a lawsuit against the NFL and directly against the commissioner that may end up being very viable.
3: Again, we're talking with Mike Florio, Pro Football Talk here on Raider Nation Radio 920 Unnecessary Roughness. Just got a couple more questions for you. I did want to ask, going back to Jimmy G real quick, as the Raiders haven't paid him a dime. They don't have to pay him a dime if he doesn't pass a physical. At what point do you think it gets in training camp where the Raiders say, yeah, we're going to just pull the plug on this?
4: Well, I mean, the first question is when uh, he shows up, does he pass the physical or not? And if he doesn't, they'll put him on. Presumably the non-football injury list, even though it's a football injury, it didn't happen on their watch. It's either there or it's physically unable to perform. I don't know how it works when you go from one team to another. But he wouldn't be on the active roster, and he'd continue to work towards passing the physical. And then you get to the start of the regular season. Does he go on the reserve pup list to the reserve NFI list? And then after six weeks, can he come back? I mean, this could play out all year, but I would assume – I don't think they owe him a dime until he's on the active roster. Right. So if he never passes a physical, if he doesn't pass the physical until the middle of the season, they're still not paying him until that happens. So this could take a while to play out. But the first question is, when it's time to show up for training camp, can he pass the physical? And then can he pass the physical at any point between then and the start of the regular season? If he passes the physical by week one and he's on the 53-man roster and he starts week one, it should end the issue. But these are all things to be determined in the coming weeks and months.
3: You know, and you watch and look at a lot of different contracts uh, throughout the NFL, and you mentioned Davenport earlier in, in the interview. How often do you see these clauses and these details that are put into contracts, and even as you mentioned, money, signing bonuses being withheld?
4: Well, I don't believe injury waivers are uncommon. There's no reason for either side to broadcast them to the world. Right. I've never heard of a situation where a massive and I don't know how massive $11.25 million is when you've got Lamar Jackson getting $70 million plus, I think, in his <laughs> signing bonus. But still, eight-figure signing bonus is nothing to sneeze at. I've never heard of a situation where that money was taken out of the guy's pocket and the team kept it because they wanted to protect themselves against the possibility that the guy isn't able to play. So while injury waivers may be very common, I've been doing this 23 years, and I've never heard of a situation where a player, especially a quarterback, had his signing bonus completely and totally wiped off the books while he, number one, gets surgery, and then number two, tries to recover from it so he can pass the physical.
3: Yeah, that's interesting. That really caught my attention over the uh, Memorial Day weekend. I read that, read that, and then read it again. Right, just felt like I had to keep on reading it to make sure I understood what in the world was going off. When Mike, before we let you go, I wanted to ask you about uh, your new book, Father of Mine. Just tell us a little bit about it. What should we expect from it?
4: Well, it's a mob novel set in nineteen seventy three in the town I grew up in, sixty miles from Pittsburgh. Small town, but there was rampant mob activity and I'm aware of that because my dad was a bookie who was tied into the crew that ran the team now or that ran the town, excuse me. And that's the basic background, that's the environment, that's the atmosphere of it. It still has to have a story that gets people to turn pages, it has to have drama, it has to have conflict, it has to have characters that are memorable and that you give a crap about. And I tried to put a story together that checks all those boxes and will entertain it's a great time of year to slow down and read a little bit and what i tell people is just give it a try give it a chance it's 4.99 for the ebook on amazon 13.97 for the paperback and uh, now i you know it's it's not like you get your money back if you buy it and you don't like it but i'm <laughs> legally confident if you give it a try you'll like it start reading it and if you like it keep reading it if you don't like it I wish I could do something for you. If I could do money-back refunds, I would, but I don't think Amazon would sign off on that.
3: No, and look, we're in Las Vegas. We give our money to opportunities and things that we don't like all the time, <laughs> right? We don't like the results That's all the time.
4: It's not even a full, what is the $5 chip? It's not even the full right. $5 chip.
3: Exactly, exactly. Well, I did, I wanted to ask you before we let you go, how fun is it to to write a book, to be a part of that? Because, I I, I mean, I enjoy reading books, but I could never imagine myself trying to write one
4: it was something that i did just to kill time during the pandemic and it was also kind of stress relief and balance out what i do all day long because i generate written content all day but by tomorrow it's meaningless right whatever i write tomorrow is meaningless the next day i wanted to write something that would have a little more duration to it a little more staying power and for me look because i've written seven of them now and i'm going to be releasing them kind of one at a time in the coming months and years but um Remember the Ouija board? Did you mess around
3: with the Ouija board? I didn't mess kids? with it, but I know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah.
4: And and, and it, I mean I mean what a dumbass game! I mean what parent would buy that thing for their kid? Right, right. Oh, let's let's bring a potential portal to hell into our homes, <laughs> and let's hope that demons communicate with our children. What the hell? Right. But I mean, but anyway, um, I remember playing that when I was a kid, and everybody always hoped it worked. When I sit down and write, it's kind of like that, where it just kind of flows. And it just kind of goes, and I'm just kind of a witness to the words that are just kind of floating out of the air and through my fingers and onto the page. So I don't know. Maybe I should be troubled by that. Maybe i have <laughs> opened a portal to hell in my barn when I decide to write fiction. But uh, we'll see. We'll see. So far, so good. But but we'll see. We'll see if one of these books takes a, a certain turn. I'll know that... Uh, that, that Ouija board has summoned uh, uh, you know, dark and sinister forces.
3: No doubt. We'll know exactly where it came from. We'll remember this moment when you mentioned it and brought it up. You spoke it into existence. Well, Mike, thanks for your time. Great stuff. We definitely appreciate you. It was great reading over the weekend, just getting a little bit of details on the Jimmy G contract. Thanks for spending some time with us this afternoon.
4: Thanks, guys. Good talking to you. Have a great day.
3: All right, you too, my man. There he goes. Mike Florio, Pro Football Talk, also author of the new book, Father of Mine. You can check that out. $4.99. Look, I spend more than that on – you know, one one spin on the triple-double diamond, and normally it's a loss, one loss on the triple-double diamond. Many thanks to Florio for kicking us off. We do appreciate him. Of course, we have plenty to get to, but we got Todd Dewey from the RJ, the Review Journal, coming up next, going to talk about some of those betting lines on the Raiders games as their only favorite in about five games out of 17 in 2023. We'll talk about it next You're on Raider Nation Radio 920.
1: That was the opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Brought to you by Paul Paddleaw. It's not about the injury, it's about the recovery.
3: You know, being on this team, being a captain, being a leader, you know, I'm bought into that. And no matter if it hurts people's feelings, no matter if certain people don't like it, like, that's just, it is what it is. We don't care. We show up, we work, we're the ones putting in the work, and we're the ones that go, got to go out there and, you know, produce, so... Um, we all got to be on the same page. And, you know, if half the people aren't and half are, then you're not going to win. As simple as that. So um, if we get everybody, you know, on the same board, uh, you know, we're going to have a better chance.
0: Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q.
3: That was Max Crosby from uh, last week's OTAs talking about being on the same page, making sure everyone believes in what they need to believe in, if they don't do that, they won't have a chance to win games. And we'll be talking about wins for the Raiders in 2023 coming up in a hot second with Todd Dewey from the RJ. Many thanks to Mike Florio from Pro Football Talk who kicked us off, led us off. He got our Ricky Henderson on today uh, here on Unnecessary Roughness. But I did want to throw the question out there, a show question, a little show topic. You can hit us up on the Don'tBeBroke.com text line at 69187, keyword r Or you can give us a call anytime we don't have a guest at 702-365-9200. Love to get uh, you involved in the show as well. Talking about Jimmy G, and we have to talk about Jimmy G, and that's why it was important for us to lead off with Mike Florio as he's the one who uh, put the contract out there, put the clause in the contract out there over the weekend that we all saw over the Memorial Day weekend. So the question I have for you, did the Raiders potentially make a mistake by not pursuing another veteran quarterback or not getting more aggressive in the draft to get the potential franchise guy? Because remember, they didn't get a, a, a quarterback in the draft until the fourth round with Aiden O'Connell. And maybe he is that guy. I don't know that he's that guy. I don't even know if they drafted him to be that guy. Some believe he can be some believe he might not be. So, you know, whether whatever you feel, I guess, when it comes to Aiden O'Connell, that's one situation. But also, you know, did they make a mistake? You know, did that legal tampering period? Did uh, Garoppolo's agent Don Yee did? You know, he convinced them that he was going to be OK and uh, and, and he wasn't. And it put him in a bad situation. You know, is there, is there someone else that you think that they may should have produced or, or pursued instead of Jimmy Garoppolo? So you can hit us up at 702-365-9200 when we don't have a guest. And also the WBroke.com text line 69187 keyword r and I did receive a text already saying the Raiders maybe wanted to pursue uh, uh, Jarrett Stidham. Maybe they should have stuck with Jarrett Stidham. Uh, he did go to Denver, which is a division opponent, two-year, $10 million deal. And I was on radio in Denver just yesterday. And they were real surprised that that the, the Broncos gave Jarrett Stidham that kind of money. They were shocked, and they kept asking me, like, what is it about Jarrett Stidham that warrants him to get that kind of deal? And I was like, man, you got me. I thought that there was no team in the league that was going to be as interested in Jarrett Stidham as the Raiders. And come to find out really quickly into the legal tampering period, Jarrett Stidham agreed to a deal with the Denver Broncos. It's not like it was deep into free agency. It was immediately in the legal tampering period they came to that agreement with one Jarrett Stidham. So let me know, 69187, keyword R N R. did the Raiders potentially make a mistake by not pursuing another veteran quarterback or not getting more aggressive in the draft to get a potential franchise guy? Joining us now on the phone lines from the Review Journal is Todd Dewey. And, Todd, thanks so much for your time. I do appreciate you. Wanted to talk about the Raiders and their win total and their expectations for their win-loss total in 2023. And as I was going over your article that you put out on the R.J., it was really good stuff. The Raiders are only favored in five games, and they're all about two and a half points or less, which is basically a pick So what that tells me is Vegas thinks that every game the Raiders play in, for the most part, is going to be a close one. Yeah, thanks for having me.
1: And um, yeah, pretty much like 10 virtual pick'em's over at Caesars where they're favored in five games by two or less. And they're underdogs in five games by two or less. And then another sports book, the Westgate Superbook just put up uh, all the NFL lines for the season, and the Raiders are favored in only two games uh, at the Westgate. Uh, by one over the Steelers in Week Three, and by two over the Packers in Week Five. And uh, so there's, there's a ton of pickems. And uh, yeah, last year they went four and nine in one possession game. So you know those tend to uh, flip the next year. So if they could do better in one possession games. Maybe they could turn things around, but the books don't expect them to be that much better than they were last year.
3: And the season total right now for wins is at 7.5. They have it at 7.5. And, and, you know, as I went through the schedule, I looked and I said, okay, that's a W, that's an L. We all do that. And I found a window from anywhere from like 7 to 10 wins. And I guess it would depend on those real close games if they're going to get close to that that window that I'm looking at. They're going to have to win those, be on the right side of those those close losses that they had a season ago.
1: Yeah, exactly. Seven and a half win total um, at Caesars. And since I wrote the article last week, the under was a minus 140 favorite. Now it's up to minus 160, the under. And um, the Westgate put out the total at seven. Uh, So, um, like you said, they need to uh, win some of those close games. And um, it's all going to come down to that, you know. Like, they can win five or six of those. Toss-up games; they need two or three more wins to go over.
3: And, and if I'm correct, the last couple seasons, outside of last year, last year they only got six wins. But I thought that the, the two seasons before that, they were projected to win like seven or eight games, and they went over that. But then last year they dropped under. Is that is that correct? Yeah, I believe it was seven
1: and a half, couple of years in a row where mm-hmm. uh, they went ten and seven in 2021, of course, and then uh, the year before they went over. I believe in the their. Final game with the win at Denver, uh, and then um you know last year, of course, they won. It went up to eight and a half. The expectations were a little higher, and they finished six
0: and eleven. So yeah, that's correct.
3: Todd Dewey for the Review Journal is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio nine twenty. Let's uh, roughness. Go ahead, Demond.
0: When it comes to fans and actually making their picks when it comes to over under on the win totals. What do you think for the Raiders? We're a team that they won so many of those walk-off close games in 2021, and then they lost them in 2022. When it comes to sports betting, should you bet on them? Should it be like an either-or since they lost more of those games last year? Maybe pick them to win more of those games this year?
1: Yeah, usually you know some of those, like if you have a lot of turnovers, then the next year you don't have as many. A lot of times those those stats tend to regress. Uh, It's hard to say, though. Um, Yeah, you would think they would win more more one possession games there are 4 9 one possession games last year and so you would think they'd win more of them but it's just hard to say you know case by case basis i guess each week you get a, but in general i would say that's true
0: and then with the raiders when it comes to being in a division that people expect to be better each each three teams they people expect them to be better than the raiders how does that factor into when maybe the books are placing the win total for the raiders when it's like hey even that the division that they're playing is already stacked.
1: Yeah. The, they're in one of the toughest divisions, arguably the toughest division in football, of course, with the Chiefs. Uh, uh, they're minus 170 favorites to win the division. Then you get the Chargers at plus 350, and the Broncos expected to be better with uh, Sean Payton, at coach, uh, plus 450. The Raiders are 15-1 to 1 to win the AFC West, so – so that definitely factors into the, the win total, too, since so it's going to play them each twice. And uh, I think they're underdogs in all of those, um, like one-point spread in a couple of the home games uh, against the Broncos. But, uh, yeah, that definitely factors in uh, by having a very difficult schedule, lowers their win total.
0: And then with the Raiders not being favored in, what was it, only five games, and then with the Westgate, only two games where they're actually favored to win, does it factor in the fact that Vegas, as we've seen, they don't have that much of a home-field advantage? Do you think that the stadium that they play in, Allegiant, that that takes away from what other teams may have when it comes to the odds makers giving them maybe the plus two just because they're home?
1: Uh, Well, since Vegas is such a a tourism uh, destination, I would think uh, you can make a case that they don't have as much of a home field advantage as, as some other places do, because, you know, a lot of the times half the fans seem to be from the the opposing team. So, so yeah, I think uh, that that is true. That could, uh, they don't have as much as a home field advantage in general used to be three points, but now it's uh, less than that uh, with all, you know, better travel and, in factors such as that um, and then you throw in the the, the tourism uh, you know fan base being at the stadium yeah I definitely think uh, you can make a case that they have less of a home field advantage than some other spots
3: Talking all things Raiders win-loss total in uh, 2023 with Todd Dewey from the Re- Review-Journal here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness. Two road games that look like really tough ones. They're going to be probably the toughest ones of the season. Uh, the Chiefs on Christmas and the Bills week two. Uh, the Chiefs, uh, that, that Christmas game, they're 9.5-point underdogs and then 8-point uh, underdogs to Buffalo. I mean, those those are, are going to be tough ones. But, Todd, even on a team that's not great, I mean, almost double-digit underdogs is a lot of points in my, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think uh, double-digit dogs did. Uh, you know, sometimes can be an automatic bet for uh, sharp betters in the mm-hmm. NFL whenever you get in double digits. Those aren't quite double digits, but yeah, just about. Uh, uh, the, the Westgate has the Bills at nine and a half in Week Two, and it's uh, at eight at Caesars in the Chiefs. But but uh, didn't they beat the Chiefs uh, a couple of years ago and they were you know getting nine mm-hmm. and a half as well? So. Yeah, you never know. There's always uh, – yeah, you can't just go by what the the point spreads are, of course. There's always going to be some upsets and right. games they win that you don't think they're going to win and games they lose that you think they should win. So,
3: How does the Raiders having a, a bye week in Week 13 affect their whole win-loss total for the season as well?
1: Oh, I don't really think that, that affects the win total. You know, everyone has their bye, so um, – you know, unless it ends up uh, helping them get healthy for, for the next game and end up winning there or something like that. But uh, it doesn't really affect the win total as far as having the bye week like everyone has the bye week. So,
3: Gotcha, gotcha. Todd Dewey is our guest. Review Journal here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Go ahead, DeMond. I want to ask you about the Aces' win total
0: too because at the start of the season, everyone was thinking, ah, oh, the Aces, they're going to run through this WNBA schedule is it looking like that thirty? Maybe that was—I think it was thirty and a half—that the Aces had for their over the win total of the over/under. Do you think that that was still too low, looking at how do- dominant they've been to start? Uh, I'm not sure. Well, that was
1: the highest one in uh, the league. So, hmm. but yeah, you can make a case uh, that that you could take the over since since they're supposed to be uh, one of the them in the Liberty on you know, the, the quote unquote super team. Um, I guess we're gonna have to wait and see that, uh, but 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 so far so good. Yeah, it could end up being low if they end up having some historic record and, and what they have a record high 40 game schedule this year, too, right? So, mm-hmm. um, guess time will tell. But uh, it's looking good so far.
0: And then I don't know if you have the specific numbers on you when it comes to the Raiders. You mentioned was it 15 to one for them to win the division?
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, fifteen to one—they're the long shot in the AFC West.
0: All right, so for everyone listening in Raider Nation, do you have the odds for the Raiders to win the Super Bowl if you were to place that bet <laughs> today?
1: Yeah, um, let's see. I have to look it up real quick. I know it's different at different books, um, but let's see. Over at the Westgate, the Raiders—I uh, think that's the best number. They're sixty to one to win it all this year at the
0: at the Superbook. There you go, sixty to one. Everybody, you listening? If you're feeling confident in your Raiders, go put that down—a ten-dollar bet. I mean, come on now.
3: Todd Dewey is our <laughs> Todd Dewey is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920 from the Review Journal. Uh, I did want to ask you about Jimmy Garoppolo. We started the show talking about Jimmy Garoppolo, and uh, there's questions if he's going to be available, if he's not going to be available. At what point do you think all of a sudden the, the lines change, the numbers change, maybe even the win-loss t- uh, total changes, depending on his availability?
1: I just saw the sixty-to-one over at Circa as well. Um, yeah, well, uh, there's a long off season, and you know, hasn't a, I guess all the lines right now are assuming that he'll be uh, starting the season as the starter. Now, if comes out that you know he's going to miss some games, whenever it comes out that there's going to be a different quarterback starting uh, for the Raiders, that's when uh, the lines would change. So we we'll just have to wait and see. But but at this point, the the numbers are counting on uh, Jimmy G to be in there.
3: In the worst-case scenario, he doesn't play for the Raiders. He doesn't start the season. How much do you think the the line could move? What do you think the adjustment would be?
1: I don't know. It's hard to say. You know, someone like Pat Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers could be worth up to a touchdown, uh, some bookmakers say. Um, Sometimes they have a list of, you know, what the number would be from the starter to the backup for every team, and it it really varies a lot. So, it's hard to say. It would just kind of come down to to who would be – you know what? Who would be the quarterback for them to, before you could uh, say how many points it, it would change?
3: Gotcha, gotcha. Todd Dewey, the Review Journal here on Raider Nation Radio nine twenty. Uh, thanks so much for your time. What are you working on that we should be on the lookout for?
1: Oh, I just wrote about some of the college football win. Tot- well, nice. all the college football season win totals are out now, and uh, and then also looking, you know, for the for the nights. Uh, we're going to do an NBA Finals preview, and also we'll have uh, some betting stories on the Knights being back in the Stanley Cup Final.
3: Yeah, isn't that really cool to see them back in the Stanley Cup Final. We're very excited about that around here. Let me get get a give me a quick preview on uh, UNLV. What are you expecting for Coach Odom this year? Oh, well, I saw that their win total is up to on uh, six.
1: Okay, bowl eligible. And, uh, okay, and they're kind of in the middle of uh, the pack uh, to win the Mountain West at uh, sixteen to one to win the mountain West. So, so, you know, it looks like, uh, they're, they're on the rise as far as win total goes. And, um, so yeah, the odds makers are hopeful that they're going to, they're going to have a little jump, uh, pretty, uh, decent improvement this year on the rise under Odom.
3: There you go. Well, we'll see how it all shakes out. We're hoping that coach Odom's able to get uh, the rebels on the right track and uh, we'll see sooner rather than later. Well, Todd, thanks so much for your time. We appreciate you.
1: Thanks a lot for having me, guys. Have a good
3: day. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Todd Dewey right there from the Review Journal at t D-E-W-E-Y, D-E-W-E-Y 33 on Twitter if you try and check him out. And, yes, yeah, seven and a half wins is the win total right now for the Silver and Black. I know we have Vic Taffer on a couple weeks ago. He took the under. I think he went with five wins. Uh, I, I like when the total is low and then they go over it, right? And, of course, a lot of that's going to have to depend on the health of one Jimmy G. If he's there for training camp, cool. If he's not, well, then that's when you get concerned. Two forty-four is the time. Speaking of concern, did you think that the Raiders potentially made a mistake by not pursuing another veteran quarterback or not getting more aggressive in the draft to get that potential franchise guy? Six nine one eight seven keyword R and R seven zero two three six five ninety two hundred. This is Raider Nation Radio nine twenty.
0: It's unnecessary roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio.
3: Two forty-nine is the time here on Raider Nation Radio nine twenty. John McClain, Sports Radio 610 in Houston, joins us at 3 o'clock. Many thanks to Mike Florio, kicked us off from Pro Football Talk. Also, Todd Dewey from the RJ just joined us, talked about win totals for the Silver and Black in 2023. We want to hear from you, though. 702-365-9200 and the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword r Do you think that the Raiders potentially made a mistake by not pursuing another veteran quarterback or not getting more aggressive in the draft to get the potential franchise guy? And this is where I stand on it. If... They knew about the situation with Jimmy G's foot. They have to feel really confident that it's going to work out. Because if not, I would think, and again, I don't know these guys. It's not like we go and break bread and hang out or whatever. But just from the conversations that we've had, I would think that these guys would get more aggressive to go find their franchise quarterback in the draft if they were concerned that Jimmy G wasn't going to be available. Now, that doesn't mean that he's, not, he's going to be available. That just means that's my gut feeling. That's what I would think. Common sense tells you that if they're worried about it, they would have addressed it, you know, one way, one how. So that's why I think it's going to be okay. But until we really know, Demond, you don't really know.
0: Yeah, but I feel Addendum G lets you know that they are worried about it a little bit. That if he doesn't pass that physical, that's why they have that contingency plan in place. So for me, that's why last week when when we kind of asked the question once we knew about the foot injury, are you worried? My my worry, my level of worry was high because for me, but see,
3: they signed him before the draft. Right, they signed him before. So, if they look, if if they uh, uh, were worried, like you say, why didn't they get addressed in the draft early? Why did they wait till the fourth round to get a quarterback? Because
0: even I still don't think that they wanted one of those guys or to expend the
3: draft capital. Gotcha.
0: Because if you're still hedging your bets that you think he's going to be healthy, you don't want to just say, "Oh, if we think he's healthy, we're still going to trade up to number two to try to get C.J. Stroud."
3: Well, I mean, that's the quarterback of your future. Jimmy G's not the future. He's not a four or five year guy. He's a one two year guy, max. Right? Yeah,
0: but the future that you think you have with Jimmy G is that you think you can contend with Jimmy G or at least be around, you know, around the pack, you know, when it's like when you look at all the playoff stuff that, you know, towards the end of the season. You think you're gonna be in the race with Jimmy G. Not that you're maybe the favorite with Jimmy G, but you're in the race with him as your quarterback. Okay. So and also, let's say when it oh, the quarterbacks that you could have gotten, are you taking Will Levis over Michael Mayer in the second round? If you I don't know, uh, yeah, I know he was a second round pick, but yeah. maybe if you move up a little bit more. Right. I still think that the value that they got for picks one and two after that, the quarterbacks, after the first and second round, which quarterback would be a difference maker that anyone would have said, hey, they got him, he could be the quarterback of the future.
3: Right. I mean, there's, there's guys that were out there. There were guys out there like and Hooker was still available. He went number 68 overall. Speaking of and Hooker, Hardcore Raider, you're up. What's on your mind? Welcome to the show.
2: Well, I'm sure you already know what I'm going to say. <laughs> Look, I mean, you know, when, when Jimmy G came on, like, to me, I felt like we were presented like it wasn't that big a deal. And I feel like now we're presented like it's not that big a deal. Uh, you're right. It's, it's to be determined. We don't know. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, right. it's, it's, not, it's not a big deal. If it ends up being a big deal, like DeMond said, it's a nail on the head. We can get out of the contract. But to me, in my opinion, it's a fail or a miss, you know, mm-hmm. because, you know, you look at the draft, right? Uh, Raiders traded up all kinds. We traded up to get a tight end. Uh, we traded up to get a cornerback. We did a bunch of other trades. We even traded up to get Aiden O'Connell. And I'm sorry, I'm not a fan of Aiden O'Connell. That's, that's, that's just me. He had 22 interceptions in two years, and he had a 64.1 passer rating last year. Mm-hmm. So, like, the numbers, you know, like yeah. maybe he's accurate, like some people say, but the numbers say something different. So maybe Josh McDaniels can develop him, but if we're, we're more in a win-now mode, I mean, I don't understand why we could not have traded up to get Hinn and Hooker. Now, I know you can't have two quarterbacks that are both hurt, meaning Jimmy G and Hennon Hooker, but Hinn and Hooker should be ready to roll, uh, if not the first week of the season, by halfway through the season. So my, my hope is that, we don't have to play in and hooker week eight when we play the Lions because our best bet to be the Lions is if Jared Goff is in. I do not want to play in and hooker. That dude, if he's healthy, he's going to be hungry and he's going to be balling out. And, you know, in my opinion, I'll just say it straight up Raiders missed by not getting in and hooker. We picked 70. He went uh, picked uh, 68. Yep. We couldn't trade up a few, a few spots to go get a quarterback. Uh, and then we draft a wide receiver way too high. We don't address linebacker until later in the round. So. I'm sorry, I'm just being real, but I love you guys. Keep up the great work. It's a good uh, topic to talk about, at least.
3: Yeah, I mean, good points, good points. Again, the Raiders picked at 70, and Hooker went 68, right? They could have easily traded up to, say, 66 or 65 or whatever the case may be. I actually thought that they were going to land in Hooker when the, the, uh, the picks were going one after the other. I was like, wow, Hooker's going to be there at 70, and then all of a sudden the Lions pulled the trigger at 68, so maybe that was the thing. Maybe they were hoping that he was going to be there at 70. I don't know, but I, again, I go back to the point of this all could be for nothing right, he could end up, Jimmy G could end up being available for training camp, start developing that relationship with Devontae and everyone else on the field, and everything is great. And we're not even worried about it, and it's just about going out and wins games during 2023 season. Or, he might not start training camp. And then you wonder, okay, well, when do you start training camp? When does everything get going? And then you start panicking, right? Because the longer that training camp goes without Jimmy G there, that's when you have to be, you have to have a level of concern. And like many people have hit me up and said, they should have kept Stidham, Again, I thought that that was a done deal, right? Without it being done deal, I thought that that was a done deal. I thought that there was no doubt. And so if the Raiders were in that situation right now where Jimmy G was potentially on the shelf and Jarrett Stidham was there, I think everyone would feel a lot more comfortable comfortable and confident than they do right now knowing it's Brian Hoyer, Aiden O'Connell, and Chase Garbers. No disrespect to any of those guys, but how much confidence do you have in them right now?
0: None be- because what we've seen in, with Jared Stidham, at least we've seen him playing games. We've seen with him, and he can I know be- that
3: Devontae has a good relationship with him.
0: Yes, we've seen it, at least what he can do. Brian Horia, that he it felt like a decade ago right. when he actually won a couple games as a starter for the Browns or whatever. So Jared Stidham, it would have like maybe eased some fans. But for me, with with Jimmy G, where it comes to hey, this could all be a moot point by the time training camp gets here. Right. But even if it is a moot point, it's like hey, Jimmy's hundred percent. He's ready to go. He's past the physical. Then it would be hey, like, are they getting those routes down? By the time the regular season comes here in about five or six weeks, is he going to be ready? You know, Is that chemistry going to be there from the time that he missed because he wasn't participating in OTAs and those sorts of things? So I think that it just sets the clock back further, even if he is ready at the earliest that they expect him to be.
3: It does. I don't really stress off OTAs too much because they are voluntary, and for some reason a player could not be there, and and they're okay, even though most players are there. Uh, But as long as those are voluntary, that's fine. But next week – June 6th through 8th, that's mandatory minicamp. So at the very least, that would have been the earliest that we saw him, right? And so that one, you know he's out there putting in the work. So, yeah, there's, there's reps being lost right now. I'm worried about the bulk of the, the, the reps. I'm worried about training camp. If he's there when training camp starts, great. Let's talk about how he's going to develop with these guys, how quickly he could develop, and how they can get this thing going the right direction. If he's not, then that's when you start to look and say, damn, was there a mistake being made by not going to get him? I like Tyree Wilson a lot. I like Michael Mayer a lot. I like a lot of these guys that they drafted, right? But at the end of the day, if there was concern about Jimmy G as a quarterback moving forward, I think that the quarterback position should have been addressed. And it should have had more, I don't want to say desperation. And the reason I use the word desperation is because that's what Dave Ziegler told me in Phoenix when I sat down and interviewed him. He said, having Jimmy G does allows them not to be desperate. So again, I'm assuming that they feel very comfortable about this quarterback being available uh, when training camp starts. The other thing that's concerning about this, maybe a normal surgery with with someone who's not someone who's under the knife all the time or or injured Mm -hmm. all the time. Maybe that that person heals up a little bit better. How do we know? And we don't really that Jimmy G is going to heal at the same pace as someone else would.
0: Yeah because we're all we're looking at this as best case scenario. Right. Hey, this is what the doctors expect. But with Jimmy G's body, we really don't know. Just don't know. That's why everybody's different. So with Jimmy G when hey, this is when they expect him or what if he can pass a physical but he's not 100% still at 80%. Right. What are the chances that if he does heal up, what are the chances of this injury being re-aggravated? We don't know any of those things where I'm not for me it's not about the team like it's oh, not sky
3: we, is falling, yes. but it's just it's just like I said, it's it's something to think about. It's, it's good so food many for risk. thought. Right. It's good food for thought. Uh, We'll take this break, but uh, Jim from Yonkers said, the Raiders took Jimmy G's signing bonus away. That says it all. Thank you. Again, Jim from Yonkers, 258 at the time. Coming up next, John McClain, Sports Radio 610. We'll kick off hour number two of the show. It's Raider Nation Radio 920.
2: It's the morning tailgate.
3: Had Tom Brady not bought interest into the Raiders ownership. Which he
2: hasn't technically yet. And so he technically hasn't technically he's yet. Not he's a retired free agent. <laughs> they could be labeled by his chum
1: the they, water.
2: If Tom had any inkling that he wanted to come back and play, why would he be so far down the road on this? Like we're literally at the betting process. There's some owners who might say, look, part of your approval is that you're not gonna play. Yeah.
0: The Morning Tailgate, weekdays at 7 a.m. on Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m.
4: Baseball action Saturday at 1230 as the Yankees
2: are in Southern California to play the Los Angeles Dodgers on ESPN Las Vegas. Brought to you by the Richard Harris Law Firm. Just in case, call
3: 444-4444. This is JT for Grimaldi's Pizzeria, cold fired brick oven pizza, a must have. For anyone craving great pizza, locations at Boca Park, the Palazzo, South Rainbow, and Green Valley. Learn more at Grimaldi'sPizzeria.com. Sign up today for a new William Hill Nevada mobile sports account, and you can earn a fifty dollars bonus on top of your original fifty dollars or more deposit using promo code Get Fifty. The William Hill Nevada mobile sports app allows you to bet on the go from any iPhone, iPad, or Android device from anywhere in Nevada. Sign up today and you'll never miss another bet with the largest wagering menu. The mobile sports app. Sound off, live- Nation.
1: Join GT the Brick weekdays from noon
4: to
3: two p.m. from the most interactive talk show in sports talk radio. We are RNR nine twenty a.m. KRLV Las Vegas.